You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Today we want to do something that we don't often do here uh, in our congregation on a Sunday morning. We just kind of want to glance into some of the lives of some of our people here at Lima Baptist Temple who have faced the giant of grief, pain, anguish, and kind of hear from them personally. I think if all of us are honest, we all have struggled with pain. Amen? We've all struggled with anguish, or at the very least, discomfort at various times in our lives, some more than others. And I know that there are many of you right here in this room that could be up here today sharing some of the same struggles. But the question is not if these things will happen, but when. But even more importantly is how we choose to face them. You know, the Bible says in Matthew Chapter 5, verse 45, we are told there that God makes it to rain on the just and the unjust. In other words, God's goodness, if you think about it, it splashes on everyone. And we're all blessed for it. But if we'll be honest, in the same way, the pains of this life are felt by all of us too. But the difference between the two lies in meaning. Now, what do I mean by that? In other words, those who are apart from God, who maybe find their suffering arbitrary and cruel, sometimes that will make people just really go farther and farther away from God. Maybe that has been you before. Uh, I know that has happened in my life. But those of us who believe in and know we serve a good God can know that our suffering, which will come sooner or later, is not meaningless. Remember that. Our suffering is not meaningless. And that suffering, although it has the potential to break us if we let it, it can also drive us into the longing and deep loving arms of Jesus, our loving God, who can help us make sense of this seemingly meaningless struggles sometimes that we go through. You know, Jesus himself proved it through his death on the cross. You think about it, he just didn't skirt around the wilderness of suffering. You know what he did? He walked straight through it. And we can know that even though in this life, as the Bible says, we will have trouble, we can have a peace in the middle of that trouble that passes understanding, and that can make all the difference. Just like Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thee whose mind is stayed on thee, I will keep in perfect peace. And now I'd like to introduce you to our guest this morning and share a little about each of their stories. Now, kind of when I was getting ready to introduce them, I know a lot about all of their stories like some of you do, so I'm trying not to be the preacher now, okay? First of all, we have uh, Ryan and Stefania, I call her Steph, Hessling. Uh, they found themselves not being able 
to have children. So, like a lot of people, so they found themselves adopting children. They haven't adopted one, two, or three, but now four. They just got their fourth child. They have one daughter, Riley, and they have three sons, uh, Caden, Ezra, and now Silas. But they've had some peaks and valleys, as well as different emotions through each adoption. Then we have John Payne. John is now a, a single father. He was married to Amber, who passed away from cystic fibrosis in 2019. Uh, she was a 14-year double lung transplant survivor. And John and Amber adopted a boy, a baby boy. They named him Noah. He was three and a half years old when Amber passed, and he is now six years old. Pastor Jerry and Carol Burton, both of them lost their former spouses to cancer. They just celebrated 15 years of marriage together yesterday. And Carol also lost her daughter who drowned many years ago. Pastor Jerry had lymphoma cancer in 2016. Went home from the hospital on a Saturday. Had a heart attack on a Monday. Then had triple bypass. Then went through several months of chemotherapy. And just found out that his lymphoma cancer has just now recently returned. So this morning, I'm going to ask all of them the same three questions. The first one is to you and Steph, Ryan. Describe how you felt, God, in the first moments after you experienced the initial shock of your tragedy or challenge. How or in what way did God show up? We couldn't have biological kids, and I just remember sitting on the closet floor in silence, and, uh, and looked at my wife and said, "Okay." And I think the way God showed up in that moment is that we always wanted to adopt. Uh, I think on our second or third date, uh, we were kind of in that awkward interview process where we were trying to figure out if our lives are going to mesh. And uh, Steph said, "Oh, I, I've always wanted to adopt," and that stood out to me because that was something that I always wanted to do that I thought was. So instead of going through the, oh, are we going to do fertility treatments? Are we going to do in vitro? We both knew what the next step was, and adoption was always our plan. It was just a matter of we thought it was going to be farther down the line. So I think that's the way God showed up for us. And I think for me, I don't know that it was a specific moment or something he said, but just I asked a lot of why questions. Why me? Why did it have to be hard for me? Why couldn't, why are there other women out there who can get pregnant and they're allowed to kill and abort their babies? Why are there families that have abused and neglected their eight kids and I can't have one? And I don't think there's any easy answers to that on this side of heaven. But God did remind me that even though my circumstances and my plans had changed, he was still the same and he was still faithful and he was still good and he was still just and he was going to get us through it. Okay. John, describe how you felt, God, in the first moments after you experienced the initial shock of your tragedy or challenge, and how or in what way did God show up? So, um, I would say the, the biggest way God showed up was through other people, um, supporting me through that extremely difficult time. 
Um, a lot of people were praying for me, and I appreciated that, and for Noah. Um, but you know how God showed up was by people showing up at the front door with a meal cooked, because as a single parent who is dealing with losing a wife, um, that was just one less thing I had to think about, and there was countless people in this church that did that um, and elsewhere, um, so that was the, the biggest thing. The other thing was in confirmation um, through difficult decisions. Um, God, uh, for example, I mean, one of the things was uh, Amber had always said she wanted to be buried with her wedding ring, and at one point, I got a phone call from a very close friend of Amber saying, well, are you sure Don't you want to leave that to Noah, you know, for him to, as a, something to remember his mom by? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, Amber always thought, said this. So I, like, in that moment, of course, you're dealing with so many different decisions. Um, and I'm just like, God, you're going to have to show me. And so, like, little things, like when I was bringing, Noah was three and a half, I was bringing him home. Um, from uh, Shawnee weekday, and we went by the, the funeral home there, and there's the church on Cable Road, and it has a window in it that's like the shape of a diamond. And Noah says, oh, Daddy, look, there's a diamond. And I'm like, okay, I'm driving, you know, my truck or whatever. And I'm so, I, so I'm like, okay, I'll go with this. Like, oh, does, does Noah like diamonds? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know. And he's three and a half. He's not, no clue what a diamond is. So I then pursued that further, and I'm, I'm getting kind of into the, into the weeds here, but suffice it to say, um, when I, uh, the funeral home called me and said, you know what, we can't even put the ring on her. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, that, that's a pretty good indication. That's not going to happen. And then, I was, and then God kept showing up in, in the number 33, because Amber died at 33. We ended up, uh, she's buried off state route 33. I mean, 33 kept coming up over and over and over again. And so when I took the rings into a place to get them separated so that I could give the engagement ring to my son and give the, put the wedding band on Amber, Amber on a necklace, I went in to pay for the bill and it was like, I don't even know, it was like 28.33. And I'm like, okay, God, I got it. So, so I'm, get, I'm rambling a little bit now because I'm nervous. Um, but, but those are ways that God showed up for me. So, Amen. So I'll just ask the same. It's good to repeat the question. I know some of you who are watching by live stream you understand struggles just like what we're talking about here uh, today. So describe how you felt, God, in the first moments after you experienced the initial shock of your tragedy or challenge, or how or in what ways did God go up? Well, I'll, I won't go all the way back to, you know, I lost it, my daughter in uh, the drowning. And then uh, two years later, my late husband passed away from cancer, and there were God showed up in so many ways, and perhaps um, each time you go through something, he shows himself strong, and therefore you know how to react. Um, but, you know, Jerry and I have been married 15 years, and when, I, when we got married um, after I lost my late husband, I just said to the Lord, okay, so you're giving me a second opportunity, a new chapter in my life, and... When four years later, Jerry, we go and he has, he has a test done and then when the doctor says cancer, I'm thinking, okay, God, not again. Here we go again because <laughs> my late husband passed from cancer. And so it was in that moment that God brought to mind scripture 
and the scripture is, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And I know that God can take me through. And so, so now when we found out again that it's back, I'm still clinging to the, to the word. That's how God shows up for me. I came out of the uh, exam room after the procedure where the doctor discovered I had cancer and he said, Jerry, you have lymphoma, you have uh, colon cancer. And I looked at him and I said, so heads I win, tails I win. He looked at me like, what kind of a nut is this? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, God cures it, it's a miracle. If he doesn't, I get to go to heaven. That's not a bad deal. But I've seen God in so many ways. When, when I had the, was facing the cancer, <clears throat> somebody gave me a little bracelet. Who, do you remember who that was? Can't remember it, but it said God's got this. Mm. And I wore that all the way through to remind myself none of this was out of God's control. I didn't have to control it because God was. Thank you so much. And I think, again, all of us, you know, if, if we're honest, uh, we see God show up uh, at different times. Uh, sometimes, as you know, God doesn't show up on our time schedule, does he? Y'all understand what I'm saying? But God's timing is always perfect. Um, so let's get to question number two. And again, just take as much time as you need here because this could be a simple yes or no, but kind of just explain yourself here either way. Was there ever a time in the middle of your struggle that you questioned God's existence or goodness or wondered whether you could continue to serve a God who would allow such tragedy? Um, I, don't, I don't think there was ever a time where I questioned God's existence or whether I would serve him. There was a lot of why questions, like Steph was saying. That idea of so many people can easily, uh, so many people uh, uh, have babies that don't want them. So I, I had a lot of out loud conversations in my car, just over and over and over again, asking why, just over and over. And I mean, lucky for us, later we got to know why. We, uh, for me, it was really hard because we always wanted to adopt. So I thought, okay, well, why would God not allow us to have children if we always wanted to adopt anyway? And uh, uh, later we found out that. We got Riley and Caden, and it's like, oh, we would have been able to have kids right away. We would have never had Riley and Caden. We would never have had our kids. So now I look back, and it's like, oh, I'm extremely grateful that God said no, and I'm extremely grateful that, that that wasn't something that God had for us. But in the moment, it was just a lot of why questions. I don't understand. This doesn't seem fair. Um, but uh, I don't think I ever questioned whether to follow God. It was just a matter of if everything's okay with me doing it, then that was the moment. So it was really easy. <laughs> He's better than me, because <laughs> I did, I got, there was a point, we had a situation with, we were presented with the opportunity to adopt two little boys, a two-year-old and a newborn, and we're like, yes, absolutely, let's do it, and it went back and forth, one day we were supposed to adopt them, the next day they said no, then yes, then no, and I begged, 
pleaded with God to let me be their mother. And he said no. And I struggled with that. I was angry. I couldn't even pray. And, you know, now I know why. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't know why. And I couldn't imagine why God would possibly make that decision. just have to trust him and believe that you're there. And, and let me ask you, what was the two boys, you had them in two different hospitals at pretty much the same time. This is, tell them a little bit of how that went. Yeah, yeah, that's Riley and Caden. Yeah. Okay, Riley and Caden later. Also two, but <laughs> <laughs> so Riley, she was distant relative. Had her and heard about us and they're like, we want you to our baby so like sure but we'd had several disappointments at that point so they're kind of like we'll keep our options open so our agency also around the same time we're like hey we have a birth mom she wants you to adopt her baby we said great and our attorney said you know don't say anything to either one of them about the other one because probably like you've experienced you're gonna have a disappointment at least with one so we didn't And honestly, Pastor Al preached a sermon on Mother's Day of that year about Hannah and Samuel, and how she prayed for exactly what she wanted. She wanted a baby boy, and she prayed for a baby boy. And so I started praying for exactly what I wanted. I said, God, I want both babies. (laughs) 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 So I started praying for both babies. And sure enough, through a long story, one born in Columbus, one born in Canton, both in the NICU, we were able to adopt. Amen. God's timing. Amen. So, John, was there ever a time in the middle of your struggle that you questioned God's existence or goodness and wondered whether you could continue to serve God through such a tragedy? <laughs> Certainly not his existence, goodness, of course. Um, you know, uh, I, those of you who are here probably are familiar with the story of how I met my wife. I mean, I prayed that God would provide me a wife even if he had to raise her from the dead, and so she had double lung transplant. At least that's what I believe. And so when you, when you pray for a wife like that, and then you lose her, it, it hits, hits, the, hits the heart pretty hard. Um, one of the biggest challenges I have, uh, and I guess I'll go back to another way God showed up. One of the things that he kept saying was, I'm not done with your story and Noah's story. So that was another way of encouragement that he gave me. And so I'm clinging to that promise, um, because I'll tell you what, every night when I sit down with my little boy, and I say our nightly prayers, and I say, Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done, and we thank you for the time we had with Mommy, and Lord, tell her that you, tell her that we love her, and pray for another Mommy and a family. Yeah, um, so yeah, there's times to question that. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about this, and, you know, um, the scripture that kept coming back to me was where, you know, Peter says, when there's a time when uh, I think the Lord's talking about uh, communion and, you know, about eating his, uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood and all that, you know, and, and Peter says, you know, and then Jesus turns to Peter and says, well, are you going to leave me too? Because a lot of people couldn't accept that. And Peter says, well, to whom shall we go? You, Lord, have the words of eternal life. You know, and that's, that's been my position. I'm not going to leave the Lord, period. So doesn't mean it's easy, but, but that's where I'm at. And I know a lot of other people out here have had the same experience with other things. So, Jerry and Carol, was there ever a time in the middle of your struggle 
You probably didn't question God's existence. Maybe you did. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a Christian. You know some of us have been there. Or, or the goodness. Or wondered whether you could continue to serve a God who would allow such tragedy. Well, I never questioned his existence. In fact, I, don't, I often say, I don't know how people who don't have the Lord, how they face any of it. Amen. And so, I did struggle, not necessarily with the goodness of God, but the, I think what, what, what was hard for me is the sovereignty of God. Because sovereignty is that God has a right to do whatever he wants. And therefore, he may have not made it happen, but he allowed it. That's part of his sovereign plan. And why he would make that, the kind of pain I've had to go through, be part of my story, I don't understand. So I would often say, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? And that was because I was struggling with the sovereignty of God. And I was, I was like the little kid that sits sitting down when they want to be standing up. They may say, well, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. I felt like that with God. I was like, okay, God, I know you had a right to do what you did. Um, this was after the, my daughter had passed away, and then I lost my husband. And I was all alone and on the mission field by myself. And I was just like, I don't get it, God. And thankfully, God understands our questions. Amen. He doesn't strike us dead because we have questions. He's very loving and kind and patient. And um, I said, okay, God, I, I know you had a right to do what you do. You did. And okay, but I don't like it. And I left it that way for a long time, and I was so miserable. And I had to come finally to the place where God just said to me, until you accept my sovereignty, you're going to be miserable. And I, I remember the day, it was like nine months after I lost uh, my, my husband, my late husband. I got on my face before God, and I said, God, I don't understand why you did it i give up the right to know even that i trust you that whatever that what you did was right you had a right to do allow these things and what you did is right and then i found the scripture verse that goes with that and that verse is psalm 18:30, which says as for god his way is perfect and that when i released all that to god god said that's what I wanted. Hmm. And peace came over me. And, and now, when I face these, these things, like we have a new trial we're about to embark on, I know God's faithful, and he does use it to bless others. And, and giving, I mean, honestly, if all the things that happened to me had not happened, I wouldn't be in Lima right now. Hmm. And the people that that Jerry and I have been able to be a blessing to and counsel and influence and just be there for you and comfort, we wouldn't be here. So God has allowed us to take the pains and struggles that he's let happen in our lives to use it for his good to be a blessing to others. 
Amen. I, uh, <clears throat> my picture of God goes back to age 11. My mother was killed in a car crash. Two years later, my father married the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> Y'all get that? Two years later, she died, and I said, hallelujah. It wasn't nice, but I said it. But my point is, I've been through a number of things that and I didn't understand. It took my mom, I thought, why me? Why this? Why now? She was the godliest woman I ever knew. And then he brought Carol into my life, and I said, thank you, Lord. You've given me a godly woman to guide me and help me and be the support I need. And in every crisis of my life, health-wise or otherwise, I have never had to question the presence of God. The verse that Carol gave you is our verse together, Psalm 1830, as for God, his way. Amen. Well, I think this last question is so important, especially for all of us here, but as people who have wrestled mightily, as we hear today from each of you, with pain and grief and just doubts and fears, what final word of encouragement do y'all have for people who are struggling right now? Um, we first went through our first adoption with Riley and Katie. Um, I think we handled it relatively well, probably Steph better than I did. Uh, but when we first did it, it felt very much like we were gripping this material as hard as we could, white knuckling it, you know, when, when control is taken from you. Mm. And it's, and I mean, we never have control, but when it's taken from you and you know this is not something I can do on my own, you reach and try to have control in any way that you can. And um, that was a difficulty trying to essentially force the situation. And, and uh, when everything worked out, and we got not one but two kids. Um, I told Steph I was really looking forward to doing adoption again because we could do it better this time. Not that, not that, uh, that it was easy. Uh, certainly with Ezra, we had way more medical stuff. Ezra was born with gastroschisis, and his intestines were literally outside his body when he was born. We spent well over a month in the hospital but it was just one of those things to where we could look back at Riley and Caden and think, wow, God really came through, and this is our opportunity to do better, not God's opportunity. We can handle this better, and we can kind of walk in faith and, and accept the fact that, hey, we don't have control, and that's actually a good thing, because if I had control, my life wouldn't be what it is today, and I'm, I'm very grateful for my kids. So I think that's my thing, is to kind of embracing that you don't have control, realizing that that's not a bad thing, it's a good thing, and that God, if God's in control, then that's a lot better than you being in control. I think the first thing I did at least was I just immersed myself in scripture and I looked up every story I could in the Bible about barren women and couples and all of God's promises to them and every time that I felt hopeless or like it was never going to happen for me I would go back and I would reread those scriptures over and over and over again to remind myself that God has fulfilled his promises to women and couples throughout history miraculously and he could definitely do it again in my life and then 
Secondly, hindsight's 2020, but looking back now, I wouldn't change anything. There's, I don't want or need biological children at this point. I am more than blessed and fulfilled with what God has done in our lives, and I would endure the pain and the agony of infertility and all the disappointments a thousand times over to experience what I have right now. Um, I guess just you have to learn to trust in the providence of God. I mean, that's all you can do. Um, I mean, different, uh, and, and I think by looking at ways in your past where you've seen things maybe not work out the way you thought they were going to work out, but then forward seeing, okay, God had a plan in that. You know, I remember um, even uh, when I thought I was going to be advanced in my career, you know, I thought, okay, this was the right time, it was the right time. And I got the I got the phone call from the governor's office um, saying I, it wasn't the right time for me. The day I we I was holding Noah in my arms, he was just born, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God, maybe that wasn't the right time. Um, and so I think just trusting God with the timing of things, um, which I'm not very good at either, um, but just learning to trust Him, and then two, um, I think just understand that God is going to use it to bless other people. Um, you know, even in my own life, going through the loss of Amber, um, you know, having to deal with some mental health challenges through that, um, I've now been able to use that in court when I have veterans coming in front of me, um, and they're dealing with those mental health challenges. And so, uh, you know, one of the things is people who are dealing with something, regardless of what it is, oftentimes the enemy wants you to think you're all alone. It's just you. No one else out there deals with this. You're weak. No, you're not weak. You're just human, and you're like everyone else in this room who's dealing with things. And so one of the things I would encourage you to do is reach out to someone else. Don't be ashamed, because guess what? Everyone's dealing with stuff, and it's okay to be vulnerable to people that you trust. Don't be vulnerable to just anyone, you know, but someone that you trust, you got to be vulnerable and let them in a little bit. Um, and that was hard for me. Um, I'm getting better at it, and I think that's part of why God has allowed me to go through this. Um, sometimes, you know, in order to make us a drink offering, we have to be crushed. Um, so I, I've seen God re starting to redeem it, um, and that's been cool to see that. So. Well, the one thing I'd like to say is, um, in closing, is you know, you heard all of us say, we asked why. Why me? Why now? Why this? And, and there's, there's something you need to remember. Um, don't waste your pain. Change that word why to what. What do you want, Lord? What do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to do? And what can I do to redeem this? And and when I look for what God is doing in my life and what I can do to bless others, when you turn it out toward others, it, it changes everything. So don't waste your pain. Um, go ahead and, you know, get, I gave up the right to know why about all of it. And I quit asking that question. But I do often say, what, Lord? What do you want me to do now? And so I know that whatever he brings into my life is a purpose. I may not understand it. I may not even agree with it. But I know he has a purpose. And when you look back, you see what he's doing. And so if we can learn 
to, to take the struggles that we go through to be a blessing to somebody else, that makes all the difference. Let me just say that God doesn't do why questions. They'll agree. You can ask why from now till the cows come home. But what I would encourage you to do is, in the midst of your next struggle, don't stop trusting God. He doesn't stop being God because your life got hard. It's, it, some, some of us go through a different kind of struggle every day. And yet God says, look, I'm still here. I still love you. You can still trust me. I still have a purpose for you. So cling to him in ways that you could never imagine and realize that his purpose and his presence and his peace is all you need. Amen. So remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about why do bad things happen to good, godly people? There's always, listen, God has a providential plan for your life, for your life, for my life. And there's always a promise in prayer. And because of that, there's always a peaceful provision. Sometimes in movies, if you think about it, we witness someone speaking of dying a good death, trying to make sense of a tragedy and death, to give their, their short time on this earth or in otherwise, here's that word again, meaningless suffering, some eternal significance. Whether it's the death of a loved one, such as Pastor Jerry and Carol and John have gone through, or the seeming passing of expectation and hope, in Steph and Ryan's case, we all must wrestle with whether we're going to trust God to give him, listen, for him to give our suffering meaning, even in the middle of pain, when everything feels like random chaos. Pastor Ben talked about that last week. Do you realize that Jesus died a good death, which is why we call it Good Friday? And just as Jesus' case God is whispering to each of us that our struggles do not have to be the final word. Church, God is in the resurrection business, and he will raise you up and give you hope once again. He will give you strength amidst your struggle, and he will cause you to be more than a conqueror. And we need to walk with him in all of these circumstances and understand that he's always going to walk with us. You know, I've had the privilege to walk with all of them through these things, some more than others. Uh, you know, Pastor Jerry was on staff here for a long, long time. So I know him kind of well and him and Carol's background. Lori and I were at the hospital when Amber coded right there and I know 
you know, by having a daughter who's had to have two or three surgeries to try to get pregnant and to have a child, I understand all of this. I understand a lot of things, but a lot of things still don't make sense to me, just like it doesn't to you. But I'll go back to what I said. One day, the glass is going to be removed. And we're not going to see dimly anymore. We're not going to be squinting in that fog anymore. But we're going to be able to see it. And we're going to say, right there is the reason. If you're here today and you feel like you have no hope, you need to understand today because you're here and you have breath in your lungs, there is hope. But all of you just bow your heads right now as we pray together. If we have a moment of invitation, I'm going to ask Robin to come and if he will play. I want to thank all of you again today for, for being here and especially those of you who shared. But I understand that there are many in this very room today who are dealing with things that many of us have no idea about. Some of us do know some of the things people struggle with. But can I say this? God will not leave you and he will never forsake you. For some of you, you need to understand today that if you're not struggling in some areas, it's not a matter if, it's going to be when. But I want you to know today that we serve a God who is alive, a resurrected Savior. And this morning, we'll offer invitation as we always do, but if you just need to come and just pour out your heart to the Lord or pray with one of us pastors today, it would be a privilege and an honor to do that with you. For those of you who are here today, if you're looking for a church home and you feel like, man, I'd love to be a church, a part of a church like this that can share with each other, then we would welcome you today. If you don't know the Lord as Lord and Savior today, you don't have that personal relationship with Him, then you can't comprehend what was said today, how these people can count it all joy, even though they have gone through this suffering and loss. Father, today... I would ask that people would just search their heart, Father. That, Lord, they would have just asked you to know their heart like no other time before. And that, God, if there's things in their life that they have doubts about today, struggles, God, some are still going to the doctors. Lord, Pastor Jerry goes to the doctor tomorrow. There's others, Lord, who has had cancer diagnosis recently. God, all of us walk with a limp. And God, all of us are a mess. But God, you come in the middle of our messes and you make something beautiful of our lives. So God, today, whatever needs to be done in this place before we leave today, I would ask that it would be done. And I ask it all in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today. And we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.